What is up? Welcome into Sports with the Boys After Hours. We appreciate you joining us on our first show. A uh, lot to get into today. Uh, I'm gonna, we got all five of us here today. Uh, got an interview later with uh, head women's coach at Luray, Mr. Joe Lucas. Also going to bring Mr. TJ Parker in and talk a little UFC later on in the show. Um, first off, though, it's our first show. I'm going to give everybody a disclaimer. Um, if you don't like hearing curse words or that might offend you, this is probably not the show for you. So go ahead and close uh, out of this because we do have one uh, cast member that physically, physically cannot keep himself from cursing. Um, you could tell him he'd win the lottery um, if he didn't curse, and he would probably cuss about 33 times. Isn't that right, JR? You fucking right. There he goes already. Uh, so let, let's get right into it. The big, the big story of the weekend was the, the football championship games. Uh, on the NFC side of it, you had Tom Brady, the GOAT, go into Lambeau Field and take down the Packers. And I'm going to start this off by letting the resident Packers fan, Big Kev, speak on how he's feeling this Monday evening. All right, let me start by saying Kevin King ain't worth a fucking shit. They they should have just played with 10 players on defense and they would have done a better job than rolling his fucking ass out there. Dude, he got beat deep to Scotty Miller uh, right there before left. the half. That was huge. But why didn't they have any safety help over the top or did he think he had safety help? Uh, he, he probably told me to right? handle the guy one-on-one. Why the hell you need safety help on fucking Scotty Miller? Exactly. <laughs> but he was running 20 miles per hour. I'm saying, but in that situation, your one job, it's like, what, eight seconds left? You funnel everything to the middle of the field so they can't get out of bounds and do not let anybody behind you. And I don't know if he was trying to go for a, you know interception, trying to jump a route. I, don't, I didn't see if it was a double move by Scotty or not. But, I mean, there, it's just, I think it just boils down to football IQ, really. No, he just blew right by him. <laughs> he had one job. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that really changed the the momentum of the game. You know, the Packers were kind of controlling things, and when they hit that deep ball uh, going into the second half, that was huge. I mean, just um, think you know, pretty much in, pretty much in the back to back plays, you get the Scotty Miller Scotty Miller touchdown, and then the Aaron Jones gets rocked and fumbles it, you know, inside the ten. I mean, pretty much back to back plays starting the the, the second half. Yeah, damn! What happened, to Aaron Jones? He was he he fumbled the ball like a few plays before that fumble. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a Tanya. Looks like it's gonna be the the AJ Dillon show next year, boys. He looked tough there in the second half. Yeah, he was running hard. You think Aaron? He's a free agent, I think. Yeah, I know, but do you think he goes? You think the Packers resign him, or do you think he goes on? I think I think he's going. Yeah, I don't I think they're gonna pay him what, he, what he's gonna want. He could possibly help Aaron Rodgers, so the Packers will not re-sign him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, how about, uh, how about Kevin King later in the game? Uh, Mike Evans dropped the pass, and he was clapping and, and, and fucking cheering like he did something when the ball <laughs> clearly bounced right off Mike Evans' hands. <laughs> remember those What's defensive backs, got, they got uh, short memories. Remember, that's their whole thing. He didn't remember all the screw-ups he had prior to that. Should have left his ass on the bus. Yeah, well, how about – What they are? I said, I don't know how he couldn't fucking remember all them fuck-ups. <laughs> <laughs> That's a simple way of putting it. Uh, but how about uh, Matt LaFleur to uh, kick a field goal to take a, uh, I guess, a, a touchdown score game to a touchdown score game? <laughs> it's a bold move. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> it certainly did not. It did not pay off. Uh, you got the MVP uh, quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, uh, fourth and eight. I mean, how do you how do you take the ball out of his hands? Uh, I mean, I can understand if you were tying the game up, but with two minutes left, you're gonna you're not gonna give him a shot on fourth and eight. Your MVP. I think uh, Mike McCarthy hacked his headset. <laughs> that's the only explanation i can think of i've seen some shit like that in dallas this year <laughs> so what do you uh, what do you think of Rogers not not running the ball on second and third down when he clearly had 
the ability to either score a touchdown or at least a first down in that situation. Well, 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 what was he thinking? Yeah, on that third down, he had a huge, huge window to run. Um, I don't think he would have scored, but he would have got it. No, I think he gets it to like within the three, and then there, I think, makes it easier to go, may go for it on fourth down. Much more manageable, but but regardless, yeah. I'm saying there's no reason to take the ball out of MVP's hands. Right. Yeah, and and put it in Tom Brady's hand when he only needs one first down to win the game. Like, which right. granted they got they got two. The Packers pretty much gave him that first one, but which was a smart play. But I don't put right. the ball back in Tom Brady's hands to steal the game. Right. Yeah, it ain't Mason Rudolph on the other side. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought that was huge, and that that could determine Aaron Rodgers' future. Um, that could be a part a part of it. You know, he couldn't have been happy with that. I mean, he didn't show any displeasure. You know, being a good leader and all that. But over the years, the Packers have done nothing. I mean, nothing to help Aaron Rodgers. Draft after draft after draft, they're you know they're they're picking nobody. I think it's been since like. 2014, Kev, that they drafted Devontae Adams has been there. You know, Aaron Jones turned out to be good, but he was a later later round pick. What was Adams yeah, even, like a second or third Adams round? Was, was even Adams Adams wasn't a first round pick. It's been it's second there. second round pick. Yeah, they, they they'd rather team. draft Rogers' replacement than get him help. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, Rogers does still have three years on his contract if they cut him. Um, They'll save some money. Um, I think they have – if they trade him, it's like $37 million towards their cap if they trade him or something. They could, yeah, they'll, they'll have some dead money. But with the NFL this year, I mean, you see what Deshaun Watson's doing. Players are kind of taking it into their own hands, getting that NBA-type power where yeah. they can force themselves out of a situation. And, I, you know, I've been saying it since the beginning of the year that I thought that Aaron Rodgers may – might be a revenge year – Sounds odd because he's helping, you know, the Packers organization. But, like, hey, y'all don't want to help me. Watch what I can do, and then I'm out of here, and let's see how good y'all do without me. Yeah. I wouldn't blame him one bit for that. Yeah, and then um, – Why would the Packers – Rodgers, you know what I mean? I mean, the guy just come off a year where – one of his best years ever where he threw for, what, uh, 40 or a little bit over 40 touchdowns. I mean, I, I know they did draft Love in the first round, but, but, but why would you even think about getting rid of uh, – one of the greatest, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. What? What? Why is that even in their mind? Yeah. Well, I think if I think if Rodgers comes out and says, "Fuck y'all, I'm not playing." What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna let it be their decision. It's gonna be his. Right. Absolutely. Matt Matt Lafleur came out in that. Uh, uh, Lafleur ain't that a guy of dodgeball? <laughs> Peter Lafleur. Yeah, Peter Lafleur. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling Lafleur, and I think a dodgeball every time. But he came out in that press conference after, and he was demonstrative that Aaron, you know, sure as hell hopes Aaron Rodgers signs and, and all this stuff. It's the first time that Green Bay's really showed, like, man, we we really need this guy. You know, they say all the right things, but but he had a lot of good stuff to say. Now Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, in that press conference, he was kind of given some kind of inclination that, hey, he don't know what the future holds. Yeah, at that. And as a Packers fan, I'd be worried. I think, I think, writing on the wall. I think he's gonna come off season. I think he's gonna. You can see what other moves or teams make um, for pieces around the quarterback. But I think early talk is what San Fran, his hometown team, where he's been wanting to go since you know he was in high school. So, and they have a. Mm, they, that'd be fucking big with that defense they got. Yeah, they're oh, a quarterback God. away from from being back in the Super yeah. Bowl, and they so. they still got weapons. I mean, Kittle, Debo. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, and that, they have a oh. run game. That that zone run that Shanahan puts in, man, that thing is pretty much any running back he puts back there falls out. Yeah, he should run whatever offense Rogers says to run. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and, and they're they're not going to have any, you know, with how how well they did this season, they're going to be what's twenty eighth pick in the draft. So, what are they going to be able to get get him with that to help him out weapon wise? Who the Packers? Yeah. Another oh, if they, had, if they, yeah, if they had a number one pick, Matt Lawrence Jones. would be Lawrence would be sitting, <laughs> yeah. sitting there and on, on the on the quarterback depth chart. You'd have Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, and what's his name? Lord, Lord, Lord Love, Lord Love, Lord Love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be a hell of a quarterback trio. Yeah, <laughs> almost as good as uh, 
uh, Heineke and Smith and old Haskins. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Don't forget right. about Kyle Allen. Oh, yeah, Kyle Allen. That's yeah. right. And four of them. That might actually be better than the Rodgers. We had the other dude, too, that was coming in when Heineke got hurt. I forgot his name. I don't even want to know his name. <laughs> well, come on. It's and championship then, weekend. We got to get rid of talking about the Reds. That's the right. <laughs> Speaking on the AFC side, the uh, defending champs, the Chiefs take down the Bills 38-24. Uh, to 24. Was any of you guys concerned when – I wouldn't say concern, but did you think the Bills had a good shot once it was uh, nine to nothing? I, I let me let me start. I'll say the Bills did an excellent job with their game plan. They completely shut down Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. <laughs> they didn't do a thing. Luckily, they had guys like Tyreek and Kelsey step up and, and, and perform for the Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would think after about Kelsey's 11th catch, they would consider doubling him or, or providing a little help. What do you have, nine catches? Or maybe nine for 94 got a yards in the first half, half you know? Yeah. I, I thought Doug McDermott was such a good defensive coach about adjusting and all that, but, damn, he didn't – I mean, I know it's tough. You got arguably the best tight end in the league with Kelsey, and then you got Tyreek Hill, maybe the fastest guy in the league. I know that's tough, but – Damn, I mean, you got to double those two, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, Tyreek, he had that one drop in the early in the game where it kind of would have popped the top off, but he didn't really do much of a damage, you know, popping the top off the defense. It was underneath, and he was – his run after catch was freaking crazy yesterday. And how about um, Josh Allen? I, I get cracked up every time. Like, they trying to sack him, and he keeps backpedaling. <laughs> He's like a damn old dad with his kids, and he ends up taking a fucking 30-yard sack. You think after your second or third one, you'd just start throwing it away or something. But uh, that, that hey, put him tough spots. Line of scrimmage. There was a, a couple times where he was running, and he was, out, he was like three yards out of bounds, and then he'd throw it away. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, now, does this – Circling back to, uh, circling back to Tom Brady taking uh, the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl, does that make him the goat of goats? Oh yeah, I think he was beforehand, but I think this just solidifies it. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a fourteen or be a fifteen time Pro Bowler, be a four time All Pro. Right now he's a six time Super Bowl champ, could be seven. He's a three time MVP. I mean MJ's got six rings, but when he went to the Wizards, they didn't do nothing. <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling the you, NFL, it's a lot harder to since it's just you know one game, anything can happen. Where NBA, you got series, you know, best of five, best of sevens, where pretty much the better team is going to win. But the NFL, man, making it to 10, 11 Super Bowls, whatever it is, that's just that's unheard of. Yeah, that that is that is crazy. I didn't think about that. The idea that you know. He never has a bad game at the wrong time to be in his 11th, his 11th Super Bowl. Chris, would you put – I mean, everybody thinks of just Michael Jordan, but if you – you we're not hockey fans, but I was reading Wayne Gretzky. Um, if he – if you took away all of his goals and just added up his assists, he would still be the all-time leading uh, leader in points. Good Lord. Good. Yeah, I mean, he's just the – Brady's just been the best – doing what he does i mean at his position uh not even just his position just in general playing football he goes out there and he plays football better than anybody else uh has ever played it and you see he took you know he's he took the patriots to how many super bowls and now he's like oh fuck it i'm just gonna pick a random team and go there this season and i'll take y'all the super bowl as well and that, that's absolutely what he done and bruce arians i saw an interview he did and he was talking about how he just lets Tom Brady coach sometimes because he said that he'll tell the he'll tell the guys something uh, about coming out of a break or whatever the wide receivers and he'll tell them all year long about this and then he said Tom Brady will tell them and they're like all right yes I'll do it I'll do it and Arians <laughs> is like I've been trying to tell you that shit all year long but he they players actually listen to Brady and he's really a he's a culture changer I mean you could take him to the jet he would change that <laughs> culture and they would be did, good did y'all hear the story about Cameron Bright yesterday on the on the air, talking about the day before they had the workout at that high school when for the offseason. Yeah, workouts. I heard about it. 
Yeah, Brady yeah. couldn't sleep all night and couldn't eat. He was so nervous about, like, dropping a ball from Tom Brady or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would be, too. Uh, but moving on to the next biggest thing that happened over the weekend, and I don't know who paid all that money for it to watch, what was it, two rounds, that big UFC fight between uh, Conor McGregor, McGregor and uh, – <laughs> how do you say his name? Uh, Perior? <laughs> Poirier. Fourier. Fourier. The, the diamond. Yeah, we uh, we got a we got a special guest on the line that uh, that's a UFC expert. Say he's he's been in UFC before anybody before it was really popular. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna let him talk on what he thought of the uh, thought of the fight. TJ, you on here with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, would you did you order the fight first off? Yeah, we ordered the fight. Yeah, and what'd you uh, what'd you think of not only the the main event um, with McGregory, um, but also some of the other other cards? Uh, disappointed with McGregor. Uh, the co-main event was actually a a lot more exciting, even though it lasted one round. Well, that well, that, that was the one with Hooker, right? With the knockout. Yeah, uh, Dan Hooker. I would have bet money that he would have beat that guy because I didn't know much about him, but uh, that uh. Chandler God, he he's he's good. He's the real deal, and I hope he uh, gets a title shot one day. Yeah, yeah. knockout uh, power. If I could inter- interject, like uh, a lot of people don't know about Michael Chandler, but he was actually uh, the lightweight right? champion in Bellator. I think he uh, he actually yeah. beat like uh, Dan uh, Henderson and um, uh, what's that uh. Al, is it Alvarez that Conor McGregor beat that he was lightweight champion? No, uh, Eddie Alvarez, yeah. Yeah, he 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 beat Henderson and Eddie Alvarez in Bellator, like pretty much overpowered both of them. And I, I really think that 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 he is going to be a top competitor in the lightweight division, even though he's even though he's thirty four years old, he's kind of old. But I think if he gets it within the next year or two, it's possible he can hold that belt for a little bit. Yeah, he's. He's tough. He's explosive. I, I had never watched him before, but he he's the real deal. I, I I would give him one or two more fights before I give him a title shot just to see, but he he's coming. Cause he, I mean, he, even after his fight, he called out what Connor could be. He, he called, called out all, the, all the big dogs. Poirier. He called out all the big dogs. Yeah. yeah, he called out the best the best three in that division. So where does uh where does Mr. Connor McGregory go from here? I I think he needs to actually go back to when he was broke and had no money and actually cared about fighting in the sport and want to win. I mean, he's got all that money. I don't know why he's even trying to fight with these guys anymore, honestly. Now we 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 do have leaked text messages from where after the fight you said he needs to retire. Is there any truth to that? if he's not going to take it serious and he's just going to take a year off come back and fight take a year off come back and fight then yeah he needs to retire but if he needs he needs to fight three times a year like he used to and stay in the sport then like with the the contract or something he has like three fights in the next what couple months or something he he wants to fight yeah three times this year yeah he's got to be a in for 100 percent out like like pick one you just yeah. can't come back every once a year and fight that's just not how it works well it looks people like get uh, older people lower people get weaker like he's got to realize that he's got to stay in it or stay the fuck out of it yeah and I agree. The, the video of him leaving the the arena it looks like a he even told poirier that you know you broke my leg you bastard um yeah he now he is he going to be like a Cole Beasley and, and play through it, or what's what's he going to do with this? Uh, I think he's going to go home, heal up, and if Khabib doesn't want to come back and fight, I think Dana White considers them fighting one more time for the title and making it the mega fight of the year. It'd be their third fight, and that would be it for Connor if he lost. Well, he's he's got to fight Gaethje, right? Somebody's got to fight Gaethje because he's the intern champion. So, yeah, Gaethje got beat somebody, by Khabib. 
Yeah, but Khabib retired, so technically Gaethje's right now is the interim champion. So if Khabib don't come back, then Gaethje and I yeah, guess Poirier, Poirier fought, right? Poirier's done beat Gaethje one time. Yeah, Poirier was claiming after the fight that he should be the, the flat-out champ now. Yeah, because he beat yeah, he Gaethje. Two best in the I'd like to see Connor and Gaethje fight if that's the case. But I think regardless, as long as Connor fights, I still think it's going to be, it's going to draw big money. Um, I just hope he he sticks with it and and takes it more serious, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the UFC sport. Somebody like me that's kind of a casual UFC fan, I I tune into this because McGregor was on the card. So you get you get a lot more people like me. So sports in better hands when he's fighting. But he even said it himself in that interview that that. You can't just be inactive in this sport and think you're going to come back. I think maybe that ego he has, he thought he'd just step right back in the ring and whip, whip dude's ass. But that didn't happen. I mean, that Poirier, he was kicking the shit out of Connor's legs. I mean, did y'all see his leg? Like, Connor's leg kind of kept giving out on him. Oh, yeah. That's why how it started his downfall, really. He started dropping his that hands. Perfect, and... like, eat away at that fucking front leg, at that fucking – left leg dude he just ate away at it so Con connor had no power connor was always on his back leg he could never get on his front leg and and, and throw and throw that fucking overhand like he likes to do yeah. I, I thought it was great i thought it was a great strategy from the from poirier I, I think that's what won him the fight you know what i mean oh yeah um poirier even said in the first round uh when connor caught him that one shot <clears throat> if he would have like attacked him he probably would have beat Poirier, but he didn't attack like he thought because of those leg kicks was bothering him so bad. So it, it yeah. affected him big time. Oh, gotcha. Because when I was watching it, I I was telling my wife, I said, I said this is going to be over here in about 30 seconds. And I was talking about Connor knocking out Poirier, and that was in that first yeah. round. So when Poirier laid that onslaught of punches, man, he was going ham on Connor. I was hyped. Not, you know, I wasn't really rooting for one or the other, but. It got me hype. It was crazy. Now, which memes do y'all like better from the last week? Y'all got like the Bernie Sanders memes or the uh, Conor McGregor <laughs> sleeping memes? <laughs> How about that fucking Bernie Sanders on top of Conor McGregor giving him a rear naked choke? That's not weird. <laughs> That's good. Can y'all bring it up? Fucking find that and bring it up and show fucking show it on the screen, dude. That's uh, fucking that'd, hilarious. That'd be cool, but this is an audio-only podcast. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no problem. Parker, before we let you go, um, I hate to bring it up, but how are you feeling about these Packers? Well, I heard what uh, my friend Kev said, another big Packers fan. And I'm not sure why Kevin King has been released yet. Uh, I've tweeted it out today multiple times. Uh, I'm not sure why he's on the team. Oh, man. Well, everybody has a bad day. He just happened to have a bad one on one of the biggest stages. Yeah, he was uh he was making mistakes that high school players make. Honestly. That's right. Anybody else got anything for Parker before we let him get out of here? Yep, good luck tomorrow, Park. Y'all play tomorrow, right? Uh I don't think we do. Oh, all right, my bad. All right, man. Thank you for joining us. All right, see y'all. Thank you, man. See you. Later. Yeah. Speaking of, of that fight and, and those football games, man, um, sportsbook, Virginia legal gambling. I, uh, I was in the red this weekend. How'd y'all do? In the red. Always in the red. In the red. I mean, what I ain't trying to brag, but I, I won big. <laughs> <laughs> we in the red for tax purposes. Yep. <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. Hey, yeah, that fucking uh, Mike Evans or Aaron Jones first touchdown won be big. Would you put Hell down yeah. on it? Five. Well, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I ain't gonna quarter. I, I put five hundred. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, half half yeah. a rack. So I put the job today. You know, <laughs> nah, I, I put I put fifteen on it and one seventy. So I, I made like. A, around 85 on on just that that one bet so i was kind of excited 
not nice. really a ton of money, but it's a good start. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Build the bankroll. Yeah. yeah. For for those of you that don't know, um, last Thursday, uh, online sports betting became legal in Virginia. Um, so us five been been betting like crazy, and I'm warning you: if you get into this thing, it's addictive. You can bet on anything. You can bet on the sixth, what the outcome of the sixteenth drive of the football game is going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on the. Uh, I'm going to start doing my research on the Eric Church national anthem tonight at work. I'm trying to get that <laughs> the time down that. The time, yeah, the timing right. Well, for the Super that, same, Bowl. that same bet, that same bet that Jr. hit on. Uh, I put five dollars down, and my wife would have thought I put uh, two hundred dollars down the way I acted when they scored. <laughs> Just win, baby. Mike Mike Evans and I was running through the house. Yeah, I'm like, look, I was uh, I was losing shit and betting new stuff during the game. I would lose the bet <laughs> like, and bet another thing during yeah, the game. Like, oh, that's this exactly what I did. I bet something else real quick. Lose that son of a bitch too. Yeah. That's, that, that's what they call chasing. <laughs> you, you'll too, be. I get too caught up in them damn parlays. I get thirty-seven things right to win win yeah. anything. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll be we'll be chasing bets, betting on the Hawaii BYU game at about midnight to try to make our money back. <laughs> All the money we lost during that day. And now we cut away from the show to give you our pre-recorded interview with head varsity girls basketball coach at Lou Ray, Mr. Joe Lucas. And please forgive me for my mic troubles. I'm scratchy during the entire interview. I have thrown those earphones away and the problem has now been resolved. Here's your interview. I've got a special guest joining us today. It is a reigning girl women's or girls district coach of the year and regional coach of the year last year uh head varsity women's basketball coach mr joe lucas thank you for joining us joe yeah man thank you for having me yeah no problem uh, so i gotta ask where do you keep those coach of the year trophies at and uh, don't lie they're uh in a bin in my man cave i don't have them out i try to i buried them I, I, that, that's humble, Joe. I figured, uh, or I, at least I would have them kind of uh, on the hood of my car, like a hood ornament, <laughs> like a Cadillac yeah. or something. No, I uh, have, uh, he he had them. He had them when, when he has company over. They're, they're on full display, and like uh, on Saturday. Y'all were here the other night, and they weren't. <laughs> the only thing I have hanging up is the net that we cut down. That's the only thing. Other than that, everything else is put away. <laughs> oh man. All right, so it is one thing I got to get off my chest after all these years, especially um, <laughs> after meeting you and finding out uh, what a great guy you are and how respectful you are. But, man, in high school, Joe, I hated you. <laughs> I hope the feeling was mutual at the time. Uh, I hated everybody, man. I, I feel like I feel like Paige and Lou Ray in all sports um, really couldn't, couldn't stand each other in our era i mean and even before our era um yeah. so what what do you think of the rivalry now being in it and, and you know coaching in it um uh, like going back to what you said like i hated everybody man like i even even now like if i'm i don't play as very much anymore but even now it was just trying to win and i think you were the same way like i didn't want us being buddy buddy or being best friends or you know, shaking hands, all that stuff. Like, I was trying to win. I think it was the same way, you know, no matter who we were playing against. But even now, I don't know. It's uh, it's different now, definitely. Like, I tell our girls stories of, you know, how the student sections used to be or, you know, stuff that you, know, you would see at games, even even other games, like football games, volleyball games, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's weird that you say – I know uh, – few years ago my second year we went up to page and uh we were struggling i mean we weren't we weren't very good and uh i was just trying to do something to sort of light a spark and i said all right there's no buddy buddy going on before the game y'all can't go talk to him and these girls looked at me like i was crazy like they like they're friends with these girls and you know got have classes with them and all they're doing roles so all that stuff and that sort of backfired and then i realized it's, it's just not the same 
it's not the same anymore. I think there's, you know, with us playing their girls and their girls being a really good program, I think there's a little bit of a rivalry there. But even then, you know, Coach Wyatt and I, we're respectful of each other and, you know, talk to each other before and after the games and stuff. So. Yeah, I got you. And, and you know, because <laughs> the, the rivalry um, isn't fused in, in hatred anymore, doesn't mean that, that you guys don't compete as hard against each other anymore. I don't mean it that way. I just mean that I just remember back in the day, man, it was if a, if a girl dated or a guy dated a girl from, from Luray, we, they were like a traitor in our school. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was I mean, crazy. It was, uh, now, looking back, you know, some of the stuff we did, like in the students section or, you know, it, before games or something, it was just like it, it was uh, people wouldn't believe you if you tried to tell them some of the stuff that happened. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a this is a question you probably get a lot, but uh, dealing with this pandemic, man, not knowing uh, what games are going to get canceled, when you can practice next. I know you got a brutal schedule ahead of you. How do you talk with your girls about kind of keeping things in perspective? That you know, you guys are just losing games. You know, there's a lot more serious things going out there in the world. You know, people are losing their jobs and. And worse than that, you know, their lives with this, with this pandemic. So how do, how do you handle that, keeping the girls upbeat and, and ready to go? Uh, I think even, you know, throughout the whole all season, like whenever this thing started in March or whatever, I remember riding home uh, <clears throat> after a state championship game, and we were sort of joking about it. Like, you know, don't catch the corona, don't get the corona. And then we had no idea that it would be, you know, what it's become. But uh, we talk a lot, even before the pandemic and, about controlling what we can control. And I think that sounds like coach speak or something that every coach says, but it, it, it's true, especially now. You know, we're uh, the lack of practices, the lack of preparation, you know, all that stuff. And really keep us stuff in perspective. Like, you know, I know with me, and I'm sure with other coaches too who have families at home, and this has sort of been a blessing in disguise, being able to spend more time with your family and being able to you know, re, sort of reevaluate or realign your uh, your priorities. So I know it's it's made me a better dad, a better husband. It's probably a better coach too, if we ever get the chance to to show it. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of the same stuff that we talk about during the pandemic. Is a lot of the same things that we talked about before the pandemic about you know being bigger than basketball and you know taking care of one another and you know, work focusing on the controllables, leave, you know, canceling out all the noise and stuff. You know, all of that stuff was pretty much stayed the same. Right. Um, yeah, Joe, I know, we, I know we're in contact, you know, pretty much daily um, in conversation. Um, but let, you know, our listeners who don't know, um, just give them an update on how your all season's going. Um, I know you guys have been on quarantine, you know, for two weeks. I think you said you start back tomorrow, but – um, just give them a, a an insight of, of how that's been in the last couple of weeks for you. Yeah, I was just telling Morris before we started recording that uh, <clears throat> tomorrow, if we're able to practice tomorrow with this weather, we have any shoot. We don't even know if we'll be able to practice tomorrow. But um, when we take the floor Wednesday for our first game, it'll be 18 days since we played our last game. Wow. And uh, tomorrow's practice, I was just uh, doing our practice plan earlier today. The last time we practiced was uh, January 11th. Wow. And, uh, what, um, so when do you guys resume an actual playing playing games? Or what's your guys' schedule like in the next couple of weeks? Uh, we'll uh, practice tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wow. Practice Saturday. Then next week, play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. That's the NBA schedule. It's right. Yeah, we'll, uh, and back-to-backs. You're going to have to have people rep. Seven days of – seven games and three days of practice gonna have to start load management um at the high school level but uh so what what is uh you know girls haven't really been doing anything for for two weeks now almost three weeks um what's the uh the practice gonna be like tomorrow and more like getting legs under them and shots up or, or what do you got planned for that it's a lot of it's the same as what what we've been I mean structured pretty much the same you know we're it stinks because we uh at the beginning of our season we had some girls coming back from uh, COVID, so they had to go through the whole return to play thing and weren't able to practice right away. And then now, you know, we're hit with that again. So before we played Strasburg there to open our season, we had uh, three practices there with 10 girls. And then now we're starting tomorrow with nine girls. And so it's, uh, 
It's pretty much the same. I mean, we'll shoot a lot. You know, we do a lot of stuff, uh, break down stuff out of three on three and four on four anyways. So that doesn't really change. Um, just a lot. Of, we play a lot of variations of uh, three on three, four on four to, you know, rep what we want or, you know, play out of the concepts that we want. So a lot of that is, a lot of that's the same. The X and O part, you know, is, is a little bit difficult, but, you know, really when we, break down our X's and O's, it really winds up being a two or three person action anyway. So we just have to, uh, you know, get rid of all the fluff stuff, I guess. And so a lot, a lot, we're not really changing a whole lot, you know, as far as you know, being able to run up and down the floor, we're not able to do as much with nine girls, but uh, I mean, we're not planning on doing a whole lot of that anyways with the game schedule that we have coming up. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. You're going to, Girls gonna need the rest. Um, but you know, uh, since you took over over the program, and I've kind of followed you from afar on social media, and, and kind of watching you all's games. I know, you know, coaching. You got to have your X's and O's and all of that, like you just said. But it seems more to me that you wanna you wanna build a program. You wanna build it uh, to sustain over years. Some. Um, what do you want people to take away uh, after watching a game uh, that you guys play? I think first thing is how hard we play. I think that's something that even when we weren't very good there at the beginning, I think you can come watch us and see how hard we play. It's funny, we were, uh, you know, the last game we played before the pandemic, uh, we played Stonewall, and they're pretty good. You know, they're, they, that was a good test for us. And uh, I have buddies with one of their assistant coaches, and I was just texting him after the game and, you know, the, I think the ultimate compliment is for coaches. And he texted me and he said, man, you guys are effing relentless. He said, you, he said, we, we don't play anyone who plays as hard as you play. And I'm like, man, that's a compliment. Cause you know, we only score 49 points. Not like we're out there lighting the scoreboard up, but I think that man, I think you can cover up a lot of stuff, a lot of mistakes by playing hard. And then, uh, you know, how together, how together we are. And I think the highlight of our season last year, was our girls on the bench. Like, if you come watch us in a game, you know, you have – we had three or four girls on the bench that are doing celebrations when we hit a three. You know, it's like a college team, like jumping up off the bench, giving three goggles, you know, giving high fives, all that stuff. And I think we're just connected, man. I think the girls, you know, genuinely love each other. I think it's uh, – you know, it's not fake. You can tell it's not fake. And, uh, you know, winning helps. I think it's hard to do that if you're 3-19. and 19, But oh, – yeah, I think those two and those two things that we, we talk about that all the time, those are hundred percent under our control. You know, we might come out and play like crap or we might have an injury or we might be in a situation like we're in right now with limited practice time or pandemic. But those are two things that we can hang our hat on, I think. And then everything else sort of falls into place after that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you set that foundation of them, of the kids playing hard and, and then you, you build on their skills and their talent like you have. That, that's how you, you build a successful program. Right. Um, a lot of people a lot of people ask this, and I'm a little curious myself. I've you know I've coached boys in AAU and JV. Is there any difference in coaching boys and girls? Um, really stand out? Not not a lot. Uh, I know when I first took over. Uh, yeah, I coached boys for like seven years before I took over right. girls. Uh, I remember asking Coach Dotson at Spotswood. I'm good friends with him, and uh, you know, he was a JV coach, JV boys coach before he took over their girls program. And just asked him sort of what the differences were, and he said he coaches on the same. He said we always talk about how we want you know female athletes to be treated equal, and you know have their you know the game and all that stuff. And and I tell our girls that say I would be I would be doing you a disservice if I treated you differently just because you're a girl. Like, I'm not going to coach you. Yeah, I'm not going to scream at them and cuss them and you know, all that. I don't think I would do that if I was coaching guys either. But, um, yeah, I'm going to coach them hard. I think they're capable of being coached hard. And you see all the teams that are winning, you know, Spotswood girls, East Rock girls won a couple, you know, in the past eight years or so. You know, all of that stuff. I think it's uh, – I'm going to coach them hard. I'm not going to, you know, scream and cuss at them and, you know, jump in their face. I've learned – I've learned that. But I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. I think yeah. – you know, coaching girls is almost more of uh, – I don't know, I haven't coached boys in a long time, but sort of create like a family environment. Like they're more receptive to the team building stuff and the family environment and, 
you know, all the off the floor stuff that you know, I really like. So. Right. Um, now I know you said, uh, you said you coached, you coached the boys seven years prior to coaching girls. And right. so with that 11 years coaching total, um, when did you know you first wanted to be a coach? That's <laughs> funny. I went, uh, you know, I went to Bridgewater and I wasn't good enough to play. And so, uh, I know I wanted to teach. And so in your teaching program, you have to take so many coaching classes. And uh, I took a coaching basketball class with a Gene Willie, who was the girls coach at Bridgewater uh, for a long time. I just like fell in love with it. And I started going to her practices and, uh, you know, Coach Burgess was the men's coach at Bridgewater. Started watching his practices and then. uh, And that's the current Harrisonburg boys coach, correct? Right. Right, yeah. And then uh, I came home for the summer. Uh, and this is – it was when uh, Monty and his group, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, all those guys, they were like eighth or ninth graders, somewhere in that range. And uh, they went to team camp. And Sanders didn't have anybody coach his younger kids. And I was like 19 or 20. Like I was that much older than them. And he asked me if I wanted to coach them. And so I went and uh, – you know, just started from there, and then I started coming back and volunteering, and eventually Coach JV's under him, and I think that's when it really started when we went to camp, and you know, I just saw, you know, the program that he had then was contending, you know, in state tournament, and how fun that was to be around, and sort of went from there. You know, yeah, that, that, that really surprises me, because when I, when I played against you in school, I mean, you were always kind of the coach on the floor, and we're calling out the defense and talking, and I know you probably tell your girls to do the same thing, so they can hear it from me that you did all of those things playing and took charge. And so I'm kind of shocked you coach you didn't, you know, come into your purview until until you got into college. Yeah, I think it was. I always wanted to play, and then I got there. Yeah, I figured out that uh, I probably wasn't good enough to play, and then yeah, I was. I was one of the kids, man, that uh. I had to sort of pay my way. So I you know, had to get a job and had to do all this other stuff and wasn't able to really devote time to try and be a college basketball player. So I guess coaching was the next thing after that. You could have been like me who uh, devoted all my time to it and still sit the bench. <laughs> I, think I, would lo- I think I would have rather done that, man. I think I, just being a part of, you know, how many kids from here were able to say they were a college athlete? Even if you go and sit the bench or play Division Three or you know JUCO, whatever. I mean, that's that's what I try and tell our girls. I mean, it's a one in one hundred opportunity to go and play any college sports. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Makes me feel um, better. Joe, I know you, I know you you have a really good relationship with uh, with Coach Sanders there. Um, who is it? Him or is it someone else that they've had the biggest influence on your uh, on your coaching career? Uh. I think it, I think it started with him. You know, it's, uh, I was not a good player for the first three or four years of high school. I was fat and out of shape and, you know, couldn't, couldn't. You're You're too slow, Billy Bob. Yeah, I was. (laughs) Uh, I remember he, I was always, I just loved the playing part. Like I didn't love the weight room and the conditioning. I just liked to play. And uh, I remember he pulled me aside and pretty much said that. Said that if you don't if you don't lose weight, you'll never play varsity basketball. And you say that like I can imagine saying that to a kid now, and that, that would cause oh, you. Oh yeah, you're fired. You fired. Yeah. You say that. And I remember going home, and I was like shocked because no one had ever told me that before. <laughs> and uh, my dad said, "Well, you can either do what he says or stop playing basketball, one or the other." Like he wasn't going in to talk to him. He wasn't saying that coach is a you know butthole. And it was from there. And then he like. You know, he really instilled like a confidence in me because I wasn't, you know, a big, you know, six five kid or, you know, ultra athletic kid. Like he just took the time to, you know, get let me get in the gym and, you know, teach me how to play. And then, you know, gave me a chance to start coaching. And yeah, I think him, man, he's uh out of all the coaching talks and all the talks I've held with him, we probably totaled 15 minutes of X's and O's. Like we don't even talk about that. Like he just talked to me about you know building a program and about you know pretty much making it your life. Like you have to if you want to be good, it has to be, and that's that's yeah. a lot of what you know I learned from him. 
Uh, you know, Sanders is one of those guys you either love him or hate him, but I feel like if you if you ride with him, he's gonna you know give everything. Yes, he's he's loyal and he. Uh, I remember when I was coaching uh, JV's under, and it was the year after uh, you guys and Lou Ray played in the state semis. So it was when Monty's group went to the state quarters after that year, and uh, we went to scout Amelia, and uh, which was a long, you know long drive. They were gonna play Amelia in the region title game. And I went with him, and it was probably like, you know, three hour. And he would, you know, as his JV coach, I would have my practice, and then he made his JV coach come to his practice. So it was like two hours, two hours, and boom, and then we went to scout. Damn. So it was, uh, you know, I remember riding in the car with him, and he's like, man, are you sure you want to do this for a living? He was like, because this is what you're going to have to do. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I – and then it just sort of went from there. Like, that's when I saw, you know, dang, this dude has devoted his life to this and yeah he's uh yeah like you said you either love him or you hate him but he's uh he's loyal man and and speaking on you know devoting your life to that uh, i know it's it's got to be tough for for you coaches uh balancing at home and and work and, and basketball life especially you now you got a little girl at home so how do you how do you balance balance those things uh, that's funny you asked that because I was just talking to my wife about it there. It's like, uh, I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> like, I know that sounds weird. And I tell our girls that too. Like, they always talk about how like socially awkward I am, but, uh, like I'm not like, I don't play golf or fish or hunt or, yeah, I just signed up for this FanDuel betting thing. I have no idea how to bet. I'm just Ooh. out here <laughs> throwing, throwing money around. Oh man. But, uh. It's like, uh, it's pretty much, I'm either at home with you know, my little girl, my wife, or I'm doing basketball. Like that's, that's pretty much it. And that sounds, that sounds bad. Like, you know, I would like to learn how to play golf or, you know, go fishing or any, all of that stuff that all my other friends are doing, but that's pretty much what it is. Like, especially catching these L's in at seven o'clock. And boom, you know, I'm in here. And it, it was a lot easier last year because she was so little. She wasn't up moving around. Like, I was able to, you know, do my thing. But now, you know, it's even more I have to prioritize. So, it's, you know, hang out with her during the day or, you know, if we have after school and then it's basketball stuff. Like, there's not time for anything else. Right, yeah. That, that basketball, that's, that's a pretty, pretty big hobby that takes uh, a lot of your time. But I will tell you, once you're uh, – once your little girl grows up a little bit, you get her. You get to play a ball with her. I was, I was upstairs playing with my son, and we were playing against Michael Jordan and Jerry West. And uh, <laughs> I, and I had Isaiah set me up. My son Isaiah set me a pick and roll. So he set the pick. I drive right. I tell him I say roll, and he, so what he he drops to the floor and gets a roll on the carpet. Hey, he got half of it. He listens. That's right. Yeah. So you yeah, got has, you got to take yeah. the look. You got to take the look forward to. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, we're starting to. I think we have four out of our starting five between me and Buck and uh, a couple yep. others. We need one more. Okay. Yep. Morris, get on it. We can get a little girls' dynasty going. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> but uh, no, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our first show and. <laughs> Uh, we wish you the best of luck this season and with the basketball and everything else, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank Pre you all. Appreciate it, Joe. See you, buddy. All right, man. See y'all. Well, one thing that you can't bet on yet, but if you if you could or Kev will find a way, is high school sports. And over the weekend, um, there was a couple good games. East Rock had a had a back to back against Highland School from from up north. Um, they got a really good squad. I mean, you run down their roster, they got a they got a college size uh, roster. I mean, six 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 seven, and they actually got a kid in uh, Angelo Breezy. He's uh, committed to, to Villanova. Uh, East Rock went to Highland on Friday night, and they they lost by a couple points. And then they hosted Highland on Saturday, and I actually got to watch that game. It was a it was a great game. Um, Highland beat them by by six. Uh, but, but man, those, those East Rock kids battled, and um, it, it came down to a couple bad calls uh, there at the end. There was a, 
the, the breezy kid had a big push off that they didn't call. And then on the other side, uh, Michael Chipper for East Rock was driving, made kind of a lateral move. Dude, dude kind of flopped and, and they called it hard. And they were huge plays. And, and I know Coach Keys wouldn't ever say, you know, and the refs had anything to do with them losing, but, but I watched it and I've seen those two plays and they were huge in a game like that, that, that was that tight. Buck, did you, did you catch any, did any of that game and, and what was your takeaways? Oh yeah, um, for East Rock being man, their their two games against Highland, I thought they they did you know exceptionally well. Because um, I mean, like you said, Highland that's a they have a you know a college size roster, and they are deep. They have they could throw any guys in there, and they could still make plays. You know, get to the cup, finish. Um, so I think for what East Rock was had uh, roster wise for those two games, I thought I mean they they. Bit better than than expected, in my opinion. Um, you know, anytime you got Tyler Nichol, though, you're still going to be – it's going to be hard for you to be counting that up a ball game. Um, and before our podcast started tonight, did you watch any of that uh, Eastern Mennonite game? No, I didn't I didn't catch that. But, yeah, they're taking on Eastern Mennonite tonight. Um, and that's probably – yeah, that was probably – that's probably one of the top teams in the Valley also. And um, once we got off our, our podcast with uh, Joe Lucas – um, it was a tail in, and Nickel hit a go-ahead bucket with like two seconds left. He finished with 36, and East Rock ended up winning by one. So that was a big win for them. Yeah, that that is a huge win. Uh, Kerry's taking on some some tough competition. I know he's had some scheduling conflicts or issues, so he's he's out there looking for uh, anybody anybody to play, no matter how good they are, 3A, 4A, private school. Um, he's just trying to get games in. And and I can tell you, you know, that Highland School's got got Breezy who's going to Villanova, and they had a a, a couple other guys that'll probably go D one. EMHS yeah. has got some guys, but I'm telling you now, nobody compares to Nickel. Um, his game right now at this level, I mean, playing against good competition, it it looks it looks flawless. I mean, he he's six seven, can handle, can jump out of the gym, shoots lights out, rebounds. Mm-hmm. And the scary part is he he has one year left of high school. I mean, so mm. like this, he's nowhere near done. And hopefully, he can uh, he can get East Rock that coveted state title before he leaves. Absolutely, and have I, a, go ahead, Joe. Have you guys ever seen a, a a high school level basketball player as good as Tyler Nickel around here? I, I I haven't seen him play, but but I always hear about him. And and I I just want to know like, I mean I I know we've watched like three and four a five a state championship games but like around here around the valley have you guys ever seen anybody that's better? Um, I I haven't. Um, I know those Leray team, teams prior to us had some great players on it that you hear stories about, but I I still I just don't think anybody compares to to Nichols' versatility. Um, yeah. and, and he's he's. He's big too, Jr. He's not. He's not a six-seven. He's a six-seven, thick kid with. And then what makes him? It doesn't make him the greatest because, of course, you got to have talent to go alongside this. But man, he's a killer. Like he has a mentality that that he's gonna take. He's gonna take care of business no matter what it takes. So that talent doesn't go to waste. Like you see with a lot of kids who got a lot of talent, but you know they just don't want it. I mean, he absolutely does. Oh yeah, and his his shot making skills. You know, it's it's NBA level. Like he hits shots, you're like, wow. He's got range. He can post up, hit you with a fade, a little a little Dirk one footer. I mean, he's got a whole repertoire in his in his arsenal, and it's uh definitely. I don't think it's ever been seen around here before for a Valley kid. And you got what? What was the dude uh, that went to uh, Georgetown? Um, when he from Lee? Lee? Yeah. Oh, uh, Tyler Crawford. Yeah, so he went he went to Georgetown and you got Nickel who's ranked number two in the in the twenty twenty two class that's got offers from from Iowa, Georgetown, Virginia Tech, all you know, interest from tons of schools. I have no idea why why Tony Bennett and the Who's haven't offered him yet. I hope I hope they do and I hope he goes there. Yeah, but I think I think it's if they offer, I think it's which I can't speak for the kid, but I think he he would definitely jump on that one. Yeah, that that would be huge. I think his dad went to went to Ohio State, so I'm sure they're. I don't think he played ball there, but they're they're probably in the mix for that reason. But 
But East Rock, you know, getting back to East Rock's team, I mean, they they battled that team two times close, and they didn't they didn't even have their starting point guard, uh, Cooper Keys. So I, I would really like to see that game if you add one one more ball handler into that mix because you had you had Nickel and you had Kyle Evick, you know, two six seven guys uh, trying you know handling the rock uh, most of the time. Yeah, and I saw, like I said, Cooper played the night, and um, you know, just his you know, his calm demeanor, he's not going to get rattled. Um, you leave him open, he's going to hit shots. And I've seen him hit, you know, in his spot right there in the corner. He had a couple big shots there in the second half. And uh, I'm sure he was a big reason uh, why they, they pulled it out tonight. Yeah, Coop, Coop's a bucket from bucket from behind the arc. And, uh, you know, and then in the Valley, you got a couple, of, you know, Page County, they're – they they got a heck of a season going on. Um, would you say they lost one game so far? Yeah, they they lost the first game last Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday to, to Central. Um, Central's a, a well coached team in there too, and they're uh, they're three A, I think. So I mean, they they were playing up. Uh, I think Paige, they they were up one after the third quarter, ended up losing by like twelve or thirteen. So the fourth quarter kind of got away from them. But I think for the most part, I think they should be uh, pleased with how their season's been so far. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I don't know what the regional landscape's like, but I, I could see Paige and, and East Rock facing off, and, and it, it might be, be a good game, you know. On the Paige side, you got Kanan, Kanan Pierce and Dylan Hensley and uh, a couple other good players that, that you know, have led that team to a pretty good record to start this thing. And then on the, on the women's side, um, you got Luray girls uh, with – Joe Lucas, who made that state run last year, that that's going to be in the mix, even though they haven't got to play many games. Yeah, I think Paige and I, um, which I meant to, we meant to ask Joe in our podcast, but Tom was kind of pushing us. Um, but when I speak, spoke to him the other day, I think he said Paige girls is going to be their their biggest foe. Um, which I mean, Lure made it to the state championship game last year, and they played Paige in the in the regional semis with the the winner goes to the state tournament, and Paige was up too with three seconds left against Luray and Luray had one loss all year and uh, Joe drew up a, a hell of a play and got a game winning three out of it and it sent them all the way to the state championship. So, I mean, Paige is right there with them. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it depends whose, whose day it is there when they play, you know, and how the rivalry goes, anything goes with it. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure one of those two will probably represent region B. If it, if it's still region B, who knows what it is. Everything's, yeah. everything's changed since we've been, We've been close to it, but Madison girls also have seven, seven and zero record, or that's what the internet says, which is really hard. We we want to cover local sports, we want to inform you guys about it, but I guess with the pandemic going on, you know, limited availability on the stats online, and you can't go to the game, so it makes it tough. But we want to talk about it as much as we can, and we actually had uh, Joe Lucas on uh, for an interview that that you can catch, but. Uh, Chris, I want to come to you because I think there's some big uh, news brewing uh, in the WWE um, arena about this weekend's Royal Rumble. Yeah, so so apparently, from uh, if uh, these Twitter sources are correct, uh, CM, <laughs> CM Punk may or may not be in a uh, non-COVID quarantine, which. Uh, That'd lead me believe he would be uh, trying to make an appearance. You know, want to keep Ooh. him uh, quarantined, get that, uh, keep the old one nine away from him and everyone else so he can come out and start slinging some, some people over the top rope, you know, do his little thing. <laughs> in the Thunderdome? Oh, in the Thunderdome, yeah. Yeah, it sucks that that the Royal Rumble this year isn't, like last year's Royal Rumble, when, when that music hit and, and Edge come out, dude, Rated R superstar. Rated R superstar. That shit gave me chills, man. Yeah, man. Royal Rumble. It ain't nothing like the Royal Rumble. It's it's uh they they, you know they got WrestleMania. Well, they got that corny slogan about the road to WrestleMania. It starts at the Royal Rumble, and it it really does. It seems like they really get their uh, they really start hyping up and amping up their matches and their shows and stuff like that for it, and and it usually usually pays off. WrestleMania is usually a pretty uh, you know a hell of a show. I don't know this year without being fans there. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it'll be much uh, because it seems like to me, and I've kind of gotten out of it since, you know, the pandemic started. Uh, fans really make uh, 
really make wrestling. It's hard to believe they, you know, I, I feel like honestly, uh, they're more part of wrestling than any other sport. You know, you saw we, we watched football weekend, and I didn't feel like it was, you know, missed the beat with no fans being there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, WrestleMania, Vince McMahon is going to find a way to have fans at WrestleMania. And what he'll probably do is take it take it to Florida because the Florida governor don't give two shits about the old one nine. Well, yeah, they are. They're going to run it. <laughs> they're going to they're going to run it back there, at Raymond James, uh, this year since they couldn't have it last year. They said, "Fuck it, we might as well. We signed a contract. We'll do it." And you know, we'll so Raymond James is going to have the Super Bowl and WrestleMania in about a two month span. You you <laughs> damn right. They're going to see a fucking goat win a, win a Super Bowl. And they're gonna see whoever won a world championship. They they gonna rename it to to Raymond James, uh, one nine. <laughs> yeah, one nine. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> I must. Uh, I guess I got out of wrestling and then back into it. But I really didn't. I don't really know much about about CM Punk or why it's a huge deal that that he'll be coming back. Oh man, it it's it is a huge deal. I, I think you know. He had that, uh, I think it was 2011, 2012, he had, he was on a hell of a run and, you know, him and John Cena had a good rivalry and uh, he had his infamous uh, pipe bomb segment, which, you know, could be or could not be real. Like he went out there, sat down. With a stone he, was a part of, he was a part of the insurrection. Uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he went out there with a stone cold shirt on and just let him have it, buddy. I mean, he. He, he broke that fourth wall, which at the time, they do it a lot now, but at the time wasn't a big thing, um, you know, and, and, and he really where made does, his name. Where, where does he rank among the, the greatest wrestlers of all time? Oh, hell, man. He's, he's easily, easily top ten. Top easily. ten? Yeah. Easily Ooh. top Telling ten. Fucking, let me fucking talk. Here I'm we fucking you. go. <laughs> I can name ten. From the fucking Attitude Era that are better than stupid-ass CM Punk. Do it. Let's hear it. Do it. We got the fucking Rock. We got fucking Stone Cold. We got fucking Sable. We got China. <laughs> China? <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. Man. And then you got... Fucking China was top, top six. You got John Cena. What are you talking about? You got John Cena. Hey. Buck, who else we got? Uh, we got Hogan, Triple H, Flair, uh, Undertaker, Taker, fucking uh, Ride On. Um, you got who? The fuck is Ride On? Fucking Ride On these nuts. Got it. Oh shit! You were setting that up. <laughs> oh shoot Damn. oh man alright now now we're going to get to this is going to be the last segment basically of every podcast and this is going to be we're going to call it JR's top tier segment he's going to give you something over the weekend or over the week or whatever the hell and that he's was a top tier dick joke that was that um, <laughs> and he's going to give you something somebody done that, that he thinks is, a, is top tier so take it away JR all right. My top tier segment of the week will be about my buddy, Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> <laughs> good man. Good man. Great guy. Great Excellent guy. Quarterback. Excellent. This man was taken 15th overall in the 2019 draft by the football team. His career stats are impeccable. <laughs> career yards, <laughs> 2,804. Career touchdowns, 12. Career <laughs> interceptions, 14. With Good a ratio. solid passer rating of 74.4. He was drafted to be the future of the franchise. <laughs> but instead, this man was so terrible at remembering plays that the coaching staff thought he had dyslexia. But still, <laughs> they give him the starting job. <laughs> then, he lost the job to a guy with one leg. Then the one-legged man got injured, right? So he got the starting job back in the middle of a fucking playoff race with his career on the line. I mean, his career's on the line at this time. So what does he do? 
Decides what? after a heartbreaking loss, 20 to 17 to the Seahawks, he wants to go out to a gentleman's club, maskless, <laughs> so he can smell the air from between a stripper's butt cheeks while she's working on it. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, I applaud your I don't give a fuck attitude. That's fucking <laughs> top tier, bud. Top tier, <laughs> bud. That's fucking top tier, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Dale. Oh, ass. He, he, got picked, he got picked up the Steelers, so he's going to take over for Big Ben and, uh, and run the Steelers franchise on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that concludes our, our first episode episode of Sports with the Boys. After our, after hours, we really – if you made it this part of listening, we seriously appreciate you. <laughs> uh, you're one of a kind and i hope you'll you'll join us next week we're going to try to do one of these a week on either uh, a monday or tuesday um, and thank you for joining us and uh after this episode we want you to once we put it out just comment get in touch with us we'll have you on the show we'll we'll, we'll talk about comments you make or, or tweets you make. Uh, we really want to get you guys involved uh, but until next time i'm out